You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. Hello, hello, Nolan. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Good. How are I'm you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, if the sound sounds a bit weird, good. Um, uh, if the sound sounds a little bit weird, that's because I'm in a different okay, area. Okay, great. But everything should be good outside of that. Awesome. So let's start in three, two, one. All right, everyone, welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, I'm here again with Megan Jones from the Ranting Republican Podcast. I'm good. Podcast. How are you? Thank you for joining me, Megan. Good, good. Uh, so uh, let's get into the first story. So the first story, hold on, let me get my, all right. Uh, the first story is uh, regarding uh, the Louisiana gubernatorial race. Before we get into the big debates, let's talk about the Louisiana gubernatorial race. Uh, so for those who don't know, in Louisiana, um, there is uh, in which uh, candidates, any candidate who registered, who qualifies to run for the office, uh, ends up, and then uh, if uh, one candidate gets to 50%, then that person wins the governorship. Um, if they don't, then the top two uh, vote getters have to proceed to a runoff later in November. So the incumbent uh, Democrat, is, or the incumbent governor is Democrat John Bell Edwards. Um, he's running a more moderate campaign due to the fact that he's in a state Donald Trump won by, two, uh, by 20 points. Um, uh, Donald Trump ha- was largely campaigning for uh, the two major Republicans running, uh, businessman Eddie Respone and Congressman Ralph Abraham. Um, ultimately, however, the top two vote-getters will be uh, John Bell Edwards and Eddie Respone. Uh, Bell Edwards did come in first, but he failed to get to 50% of the vote. He only got 47% of the vote. Uh, while uh, Respone only got 27% of the vote. Uh, Abraham also failed to make it into the top two, only getting 24% of the vote, which means that on November 16th, there will have to be a runoff uh, between Edwards, the Democrat, and Respone, the Republican. What are your thoughts on the uh, on well, this ending up I think in a it's runoff am- election? Well, first of all, I think it's amazing how uh, every state has a different way of doing it as as far as getting to a final vote or, you know, uh, finding out who the winner is in in an election. So for this in Louisiana to go to a runoff, um, I, I think it's great. 
Because those people who, uh, who I, I, I guess for those who didn't vote and get what they wanted, they could probably try again. Um, it's, um, it's, I, I think it's just interesting, but I really do hope the Republican candidate wins because um, Donald Trump had a great rally in Louisiana, and that was just a wonderful rally to see uh, with the uh, uh, boys' um, Little League winning the uh, World Series, and he got, they got to fly on the plane, and he took them back home, which is all kind of pretty staged, but, you know. But um, in, in but in other words, but I think that I think that had probably something to do with this outcome uh, of of how this how this turned out. But I cannot wait to see how uh, what comes from the final vote, like you know the the runoff. Hmm. All right, and that's slated to happen. The runoff is slated to happen on November 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go on to the next story. Uh, so uh, this week there was a uh, debate, a Democratic, pri- another Democratic primary debate, the fourth one, uh, which was a collaboration between NBC and the New York, or sorry, not NBC, CNN and the New York Times. Uh, Twelve candidates participated, making this the largest debate stage uh, in recorded history, um, those 12 candidates running included former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, California Senator Kamala Harris, uh, businessman Andrew Yang, uh, um, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, um, uh, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro, uh, as well as uh, two new additions, uh, businessman Tom Steyer, who participated in a Democratic debate for the first time ever, and Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, many uh, issues were discussed, such as Trump's decision to withdraw troops from northern Syria. Um, Other uh, issues that were discussed were the impeachment uh, of Donald Trump, uh, as well as the proposed health care plans by many of the candidates running. Many of them debated how they would uh, pay for their health care plans. Many candidates uh, took aims at Senator Warren, um, uh, who, uh, who many people have seen, who the polls have seen, uh, rising. We've seen her rise in the polls and many people were taking shots at her on the stage. Um, but, uh, but that was the debate. Um, what were your thoughts overall on the, uh, 2020 democratic well, primary debate overall, that was held this week? What I really did was I, I focused on three of the candidates, the three top Bernie, Joe Biden, and um, uh, Senator Warren. 
So, and I really, um, I, I thought it was a really good idea by CNN not to do opening statements because um, it just takes so long. So what I did was just took the, those three and that the first question was about impeach, impeachment. So my, I have it down here. So when uh, Warren was talking about, uh, she said that the president is not the is not above the law. Um, well, I think well she she ought to talk, she shouldn't be talking because she's up there saying that uh, running for the president making wants to put forth um, plan to make laws so she would be above the law in that case um, in, in um, of, of her thoughts so and I said well you know you need to tell that to Obama and Clinton because they did things that were you know they were uh, they were not above you know above the law to do so and then also with Bernie uh, uh, he said that Trump is so corrupt and I said well tell that to Obama and Clinton they're corrupt too they Clinton and Obama are probably like the start of this whole corruption network that have started in our in our politics. So when 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 any of these people say that Trump is corrupt, oh yeah, well look in the look in the mirror of who the the past uh, presidents were uh, not uh, as far as Bush. I mean. He probably had some, you know, little twists of uh, deals and whatever um, that were probably part of, um, you know, like Ukraine or, you know, talking with governments and things like that. But the thing is, is that um, I think that oh, both Clinton and Obama um, were so corrupt so selfish that even when it when it comes to um, uh, foreign affairs, uh, with Clinton not going after Osama bin Laden when he had the chance, look at the outcome of you know where we are now, or we're in the war in the Middle East still, and with Obama, uh, there's an article that they knew him and Hillary Clinton knew about Benghazi in Syria that um, they would have to go they go through in uh, Syria in order to get to Benghazi so uh, it's they they knew things and didn't tell anybody of why they did it because I think they wanted to cause um, harm of course to to our nation so, and Joe Biden, again, he said, in, in this thing, he said three, he said three times um, that Trump had invited foreign governments to engage in our election. I go, well, that, that's like not true. He didn't invite them. 
they just like were, uh, well, Russia, of course, they, you know, trying to get um, information on Hillary Clinton. Um, but uh, so, and because Obama did, he, he interfered in the Middle East, in Europe, by praising, um, the, by praising Middle East dictators instead of um, praising um, uh, uh, European leaders uh, from the uh, from the west uh, from the western uh, parts of Europe, who are you know Europe, um, and, and now and look at Obama. He just in he just decided to um, endorse um, the leader of uh, leader of, of the prime minister of um, of Canada, Justin Trudeau, and it's like excuse me. And he's not, he's not, and he's not endorsing any candidate here on the Indian and on his own party, which I think is so, it, it's in, unbelievable and it's laughable because he, he just knows that it's just not going to help at all. Um, so that's what I really got from the, um, the debate, kind of I took away. Uh, all right, and for those listening, don't forget to uh, stay after the segment because there's, again, there's another segment uh, featuring, uh, surrounded around the Democrats, uh, Democratic debates, and we'll have 2020 Democratic candidate for governor of Kansas, uh, Jack Bergeson, on for that segment. But let's go to the next story. Uh, so Maryland Congressman uh, Elijah Cummings uh, is dead. Uh the, uh, the Maryland congressman uh, represented uh, Maryland's 7th Congressional District from uh, 1996 uh, until 2019. Uh, he died uh, this week unexpectedly. Uh, Cummings was said to be a big critic of President Trump. Uh, he was chair of the House Oversight Committee since January um, but he uh, is now dead. He leaves behind three children um, and he uh, and a, uh, a wife, uh, Maya Rocky Moore, who is the uh, who is the chair of the Maryland Democratic Party. Um, he uh, was said to have died of cancer uh, at the age of 68. And it's now saying it's now looking as though. His wife, Maya Rockymore, who's also the chair of the Maryland Democratic Party, uh, will run uh, to replace him uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives. What are your thoughts? Well, first it's sad. And, um, and, well, first of all, I, of course, I didn't agree with his, you know, beliefs, but it, it's sad. You just don't want, you know, someone to um, to be hard on someone who just lost their life fighting a you know, a, a cancer like this, but, um, it's, um, it's really sad. And, you know, he, you know, he, um, fought for, uh, uh, the people in his district supposedly, but, um, I think that he, um, he, he gave a lot to, um, his party and he gave a lot of himself to 
um, the Congress um, and to, um, you know, is in, in to his family. So that's, you know, pretty much all I could comment about Elijah Cummings. Um, all right. Uh, well, let's uh, move on then. Uh, so, uh, former U.S. Secretary of State uh, and 2016 Democratic nominee for president, Hillary Clinton, uh, is now uh, under fire uh, for going after a, uh, a member of her own party, calling uh, that person a Russian asset. Uh, so, recently, uh, Hillary Clinton... Um, uh, went on a podcast with one of Barack Obama's former uh, campaign advisors um, and, uh, and attacked uh, an unnamed Democratic uh, candidate um, for uh, uh, calling them a Russian asset. The argument that she made uh, was that uh, – uh, the argument that she made – uh, was that uh, uh, Donald Trump? No, the argument that she made was that Jill Stein, activist Jill Stein, who was the 2016 candidate for uh, uh, for uh, president on the Green Party line, uh, was planted by Russia uh, to take away votes uh, from her campaign, and argued that one candidate, one Democrat. as of this moment, uh, who is considered a mi- more minor candidate, could be, uh, uh, could be being groomed by Russia uh, as a third-party t- candidate to try and derail the Democratic nominee's chances uh, of winning the presidency. Um, uh, although she did not name who that candidate was, uh, Clinton later specified uh, that... Uh, or, or the advi- uh, one of Clinton's former advisors later specified that the candidate uh, Clinton was referring to as a Russian asset that could be uh, being groomed for a third-party run was none other than Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who's currently a candidate for president. Um, Gabbard attacking uh, Hillary Clinton in, uh, via Twitter, saying, quote, great. Thank you, Hillary Clinton. You, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind the curtain. From the day I announced my candidacy, there has been a concentrated campaign to destroy my reputation. We wondered who was behind it uh, and why. Now we know it was you. Uh, Through your proxies and powerful allies uh, in the corporate media and war machine, um, afraid of the threat that I pose. Uh, it's clear now uh, that the primary is between you and me. Don't uh, cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join that race directly. Uh, so you can see there she's kind of uh, daring Clinton uh, to run for the presidency. Uh, Andrew Yang uh, also uh, coming to Tulsi Gabbard's defense uh, via Twitter, um, uh, uh, Gabbard would also go on to uh, compare Clinton's 
tactics to, uh, quote, McCarthyism. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Hillary Clinton's attacks on well, uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Tulsi Gabbard? The attacks response? by um, Hillary Clinton, I just think she's a little not there. And I, I think she is, she has some real problems. Um, well, she's, she still is jealous that, you know, Trump won. She's mad that she lost. She's just so, she has no power, no, you know, um, standing anymore. And I think that what I would really love to see, Nolan, is just to have a debate. And I wonder if your listeners would, would like to see this too. Just to have one night, one night, a debate between two senators, Senator Hillary Clinton, and you know, and and uh, and uh, Senator uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I would love, I would love to see that. Right. Yeah. I would love to watch that, and to see, because you know Hillary will go after her. For being um, a um, uh, to be for Chelsea because she um, she served her country right, and then Chelsea will go after her for her mm. age and losing the um, the twenty sixteen election to Donald Trump. You know she she never she didn't do that many uh, speaking tours uh, and she didn't do that many rallies so um, th- that's like my thought on this whole um, instance of uh, Hillary Clinton coming out and I, and I just think she just wants to be back in the limelight and this is how all right uh, well, let's move on then uh, to the next story. Uh, so the next story is surrounding uh, New York Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, for months, it was speculated uh, as to who uh, Ocasio-Cortez or who Cortez could uh, endorse for the presidency. Uh, many speculated. Uh, that she could endorse uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren's uh, campaign, uh, as Warren expresses very uh, similar progressive ideas to that of Cortez. Uh, and Warren even at one point expressed interest in a, uh, in a Cortez endorsement. Uh, ultimately, however, that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, Cortez announced that she will be endorsing uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is campaign for the presidency. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on Alexandra Ocasio Cortez announcing she will endorse? Well, Vermont I think Senator it's a disaster for the Democratic for the Party. Um, for those who don't believe in the socialism and the um, in in Bernie's message and um, Warren's message that it's um they're not going to vote they're not going to vote for bernie they're not going to vote for um warren 
Um, and they're, they're, they'll probably go to, they'll, they'll probably go to, to Joe Biden. All those might just, those votes might just go to Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg. Mm. Because today um, there was a, a poll that Pete Buttigieg is now, I think it was like one point behind Warren at 13% and Bernie's at 9%. So it's Biden, Warren, and Buttigieg. So I, I think that, um, I, I, I think this is changing for the top of, of three. It, it's not a good idea because you see now that Bernie has, has, has fallen uh, excuse me for stuttering, but I, I think no, I think there's two reasons for the um, he has fallen. That is because of Ocasio Cortez's endorsement, and and of course all the people in New York are not going to vote for Bernie because the people in Ocasio Cortez uh, district they really don't like her. So. Um, it's kind of like a, a vote for Bernie is a vote for Ocasio Cortez, um, and um, so I, I think that mm. it's the um, endorsement, and it's also a Bernie's health. You know, he had a heart attack, and, and you talk about health um, with the candidates. Uh, you, you look at uh, look at our president; he's not stop. He's going to rallies and. Things like that uh, in 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 within short periods of time in the day, it, it's it's incredible how his stamina uh, uh, stamina is. It's um I, I I and Biden, his health is not great either. Um, but I I just see that there's a, there's probably a shift coming, Nolan, with um who might be in. Um, the final who might be the um, in, in the primary, and and uh, who might be the the candidate that that one Democratic candidate. All right. All right. Uh, well, why don't we move on then? Uh, so the next uh, topic uh, is surrounding um, uh, the topic of a candidate who may be entering the Democratic field for the presidency, that being Michael Bloomberg. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, uh, uh, the for, uh, former New York City mayor, or former New York, New York mayor, uh, Michael Bloomberg, uh, may be getting into the race as a Democrat for president. Uh, previously, Bloomberg had said that he had no interest uh, in seeking out the White House uh, and instead endorsed Joe Biden. Apparently, that endorsement stands as of the moment, but uh, Bloomberg is currently uh, fearful that Biden may drop out if his poll numbers uh, or if Warren's lead continues to grow. Uh, If that is the case, according to reports, uh, Bloomberg has told his aides that if that is the case and Biden does get out, uh, Bloomberg will enter uh, the race for the presidency as a Democrat. Uh, what are your thoughts on former New York New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg potentially well, entering my the first 2020 thought is, is, you know, race for president? <laughs> one, 
I, I think it's, I don't want to say the word unfair because it's like, um, I just think that I, the voter, the Democratic voters are, have probably been through enough with so many, listening to so many candidates to add another one would just, they would just go crazy. Um, trying to keep up with, with what everyone has said or every, you know, uh, their side, I, I just think it's um, very unlikely that A, he would jump in and A, he would win. But on the other hand, as, as, for, as for me, as a Republican, I would watch. I would watch uh, Bloomberg uh, speak on this stage um, and see who he counters and on, on what points. I, that is my feeling. Um, if he does get in the race, I think it would be good and it would be bad for the voters. It would be bad for the party. And, and I, but I think for the, for the Republicans, for us, we could see, an, a, it's um, interesting to see it would be another um, person who, uh, who is elite and rich trying to um, take over the country and talk about uh, hypocritically about um, the uh, swamp where he's been in in the swamp in New York, so it, it's um that that's my thought and my feelings on Bloomberg entering the possibility of him entering the race. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the next uh, story then. So uh, acting White House Chief of Staff Michael, uh, sorry, Mick Mulvaney uh, is now uh, coming under fire. Uh, Mulvaney recently uh, admitted uh, that there was a quick, quick pro quo, a quid pro quo involving the Ukrainian scandal surrounding U.S. President Donald Trump right now. Um, saying that there was an attempt uh, to hold back money from the Ukraine. Um, many people are now blasting. Uh, uh, well, my thoughts is, is that um, he was uh, set up. Thoughts? That was a gotcha question. Um, and I think the answer that he gave was a misinterpreted. And now they're taking that answer and saying, see, look, there's proof. It isn't proof. It was just a statement. So on this, I, I think I've had enough of it. Let's move on from it. And I, I think um, it's, it, it's just the, the media. They're, they're just trying to get anything they can to to make the impeachment more um, sustainable uh, I mean sustainable not the correct word but to make impeachment stick and to get more people in the country to side with impeachment 
this is what the media does. All right. Uh, well, let's move on then uh, to the next story. Uh, President Trump uh, coming under fire uh, for the upcoming G7 summit. Uh, Trump originally wanted to uh, hold the summit at his Mar-a-Lago resort uh, in Miami, Florida. Uh, however, uh, that uh, will no longer be the case. After backlash, uh, Trump has announced that he will not be holding uh that, well, uh, my first thought his, was, uh, oh, I thought it was resort. a great idea because of location. But then um, I thought it was was kind of, um, I, I don't say, I bummed and bummed. Um, but when he changed his mind because um, the backlash got to him and he, and he, he folded to where he, you know, decided maybe he'll look at Camp David. Um, it, it's it, some sometimes, you know. Th- there's the other thing: people are looking for anything to show that Trump is all a lot of different things. Like he just wants to make money, more money. He doesn't care about the people. Um, and he just it's they just want to make him look so bad for everything Um, they'll they'll complain they'll they'll twist his words Uh, that's pretty much what has been going on Uh, alright um uh, so let's move on to the next uh, question. Uh, so the next question uh, is involving uh, uh, the uh, Canadian Prime Minister's race. Now, as of the time uh, you uh, everyone's listening to this, you'll probably know uh, the results uh, of the Canadian Prime Minister race that's happening tonight. Um, but as of this moment, we are recording this on Monday which uh, Monday afternoon, which means we currently do not know uh, who Canada's next prime minister will be. Uh, we do know that the Liberal Party cr- prime minister, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, is in a tough uh, match uh, for re-election. Uh, he is facing a number uh, of different opponents, um, specifically uh, his main party opponent, uh, right now is uh, uh, Andrew Scheer, who's a member of the Conservative Party, uh, who's hoping to take on uh, uh, Trudeau. Uh, but on top of that, uh, Jam- Jagmeet Singh, uh, uh, a member of the New Democratic Party, is hoping to upset the crowd uh, running on uh, as the liberal alternative uh, to Trudeau. Uh, Trudeau came under fire about a month ago after a photo uh, surfaced from uh, years ago, from 2000, that showed him uh, performing in blackface, uh, imitating the character of Aladdin at an Arabian Nights party. However, um, uh, polls currently show a dead heat 
between Sheer and Trudeau with Singh hoping to gain enough ground uh, to make an upset uh, in uh, tonight's race. Megan, what are your thoughts on uh, Canada's prime minister election, which will be well? I hope the conservative candidate wins it. Um, I think Canada deserves it, and they also deserve for the people who didn't vote for Justin Trudeau. I think they deserve a candidate, um, the um, conservative candidate, and I would just—I just hope he wins. That's really all I can say. All right. Um, uh, so let's move across the pond over to uh, to England. Uh, we do have an update on Brexit uh, right now. Um, of course, uh, there's a fast moving uh, deadline coming up uh, to deliver the uh, the Brexit deal uh, before the Halloween deadline. Uh, on October 31st, uh, uh, many uh, rec- uh, at one point a couple months ago, uh, Parliament voted to force uh, England's Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, to request an extension uh, if no deal uh, could be done by the deadline. Uh, however, many uh, members of the European Union uh, are now insisting that they uh, would not support uh, an extension to the deadline. Um, however, Boris Johnson recently uh, received a, uh, a deal that uh, was agreed to by the European Union, um, to, um, which was a revised version of Theresa May's plan when she was prime minister. Um, however, it has received op- uh, opposition. Uh, the BUP uh, section of parliament uh, has said that he... Uh, or has said that they will not support this bill. Uh, the BUP caucus in Parliament, I should say, has said they will not support this bill. Um, and recently, uh, facing another blow to his agenda, uh, Speaker of the House of Commons, John Bercow, uh, has said that he will not uh, hold a vote on the Brexit deal. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Brexit deal, and do you think it can pass? Well, I don't think it can pass because you, I mean, con- Congress is just like Parliament. And where did we get our, our Congress from? Parliament. So, I, and you have uh, people in Congress who are like the Democrats who just don't, they just don't want this, and they'll do anything to stop it anything to stop it um and i and and it's on one issue it's not you know but people voted to leave and i think parliament are they're denying their the people's vote who wanted to um who want to leave uh britain so i think that it's going to be very, very tough for, um, for uh, the prime minister to get this done. And I hope he can because I don't know how many more prime ministers London can go through <laughs> before this can um, happen. Uh, you know, Theresa May said, oh, if this, you know, that if 
if the voters know, then I'm I'm out of here. I'm I'm I will I surrender. I will not seek another election. So it's um it's going to be very very tough um to to see. And I hope it goes through because it would be interesting to see how it um, will turn out. So those are my thoughts on uh, the Brexit deal. Um, uh, all right, let's move on to the next story. So Nancy Pelosi has said she will not hold an impeachment on uh, 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 or a vote on an impeachment inquiry as of this moment. Uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has said that that is not something that will be happening as of this moment. Well, I, f- I thought it was interesting that the night that she announced it, it was the night, it was like the night of the debate. And I thought, you know, it's like what timing she, she was probably announced it just to send a message to those of her, um, the people who um, are in Congress who, you know, uh, her, her fellow Democrats, who may have some trouble um, as a message, oh, no, you're, you'll be fine. It's okay. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hold a vote on, on impeachment just yet. I think um, I, 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 it was just very interesting, um, the timing of it and the reasoning of it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it was she sent a message to her um the, the her um not constituents but you know the, her, her fellow um uh, democrats who are in office that that they were going to be okay if there's no vote on the um impeachment because that would look bad but as but as far as the the, the real reason I don't know what it is, and it would be very interesting to know why she decided that night and in that particular announcement of no, of not having an impeachment vote. I, I, I that would be very interesting, and um, inquiring uh, minds would like to know. All right. Well, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, so a, uh, a new poll out of New Hampshire uh, is showing surprising results. Uh, uh, the poll came out of Franklin Pierce University, uh, which is a university in New Hampshire, uh, and it showed surprising results uh, in the Democrat and Republican Party. Uh, the poll showed that Michelle, that former U.S. First Lady Michelle Obama topped uh, the field of Democratic candidates, despite not currently being a candidate in the field for president in 2020. Uh, additionally, uh, a poll amongst Republicans showed one of Donald Trump's challengers, former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, doing better than, better than expected, receiving 14 uh, percent in the poll in New Hampshire. What are your thoughts on these polls? You know, polls? Yeah, well, for one thing, Michelle Obama's not even in the race, so I, my, my concern is really it it it's no concern at all. Um, but as far as you know, Bill Weld, that I mean, it's a little concerning. But but thinking that 
Um, has Bill Weld have has Bill Weld been at a rally and has he had the amount of thousands come to see him? No. So I'm so again. Um, it kind of does. It really doesn't matter because he's not. He's not Trump because Trump is. He um, has been in office for three years. He has the um, experience. Bill will is an experienced. He's just been in Congress, and I think that uh, Trump will be elected again. Just Nolan, I'm, I'm sure you, you probably don't watch these rallies with Trump, but just the number of people, the one in Texas, they had thousands of people waiting out outside. In Texas, they had and and they had ten probably ten times as that inside. They couldn't fit any more people. I mean, that's it's just you know amazing. Just um, recall when Obama was um, just fresh and new, and he just got in. He had the the uh, crown numbers were. Probably uh, the, the same as Trump, or probably even more. I don't know, but I, I think, and, and you see that uh, Obama won a second term, so he, Trump, is going to win a second term. People are happy with the economy. I think people are happy with the points that he made during his during the first election his speech and the promises made and the promises that he has kept the wall he's cut a ton of red tape he's you know uh he's trying to fix the va he's um done a lot of things so far and look at the you know the 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 um black community they're they've gotten um, they have um the job market for them is great. Um, so I, I, and, and the Hispanic community is for him. Uh, it's the gay community is for him. I really don't see um, any, any opponent that Trump goes against and, and the Democratic Party will win. I, I think he'll be in a two-term president. Uh, all right, then. So let's move on to our next story, then. So the next story is involving the decision by President Trump to remove troops from northern Syria. Uh, a vote was held in the House to condemn uh, that, uh, and it passed with a bipartisan 340 votes to 60 vote majority on Wednesday. Um, uh, uh, Telling uh, So that was in the House. Uh, however, the bill will not go to the Senate, at least not as of this point. Uh, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul uh, has blocked uh, the bill from going through. Um, uh, tell, uh, Schumer apparently tried, uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer apparently tried to convince Paul to, but Paul refused, uh, stating that, uh, that he believed the attempt was partisan and that Democrats would vote differently 
uh, if Obama, <laughs> if uh, President Barack Obama was making the decision. What are your thoughts on the uh, the bill to condemn Trump's decision to remove troops from northern Syria? And what are your thoughts on uh, it being blocked in the U.S. Senate by Kentucky Senator Rand Paul? Well, I think the bill, it's, well, they have every right to um, uh, produce the bill and to vote on the bill. It's their opinion. Um, and the the blockage of the bill, I think it really, uh, fighting this out, obviously fighting it out, but, you know, deciding who's right, who's wrong, and it, it, it's not, it, it, it takes away from the other issues that we have, it, but it's the president's decision to, to take them out. Uh, you know, I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about this on both sides, you know, uh, what's the cost when a freedom the freedom, the cost of freedom is lives. So I think that, you know, that uh, is his decision um, to leave Syria so that not to have 50 more of our troops die on his watch. Again, it's a noble thought. Um, and he's correct about fighting in wars with have no end and that are useless for no reason. Um, and why we went just and why we went and why we are staying is something that I've contemplated. I mean, re, why did we go? We went because we were attacked. And I, the, the whole notion of the, the nuclear weapons in Iraq, <laughs> Saddam Hussein said those somewhere else. That's why they weren't there. They were there. But, you know, he was kind of, I don't want to say a smart dictator, but he was smart enough to hide them out somewhere in his country. So, say, look, I don't have them. I think, um, but the, for me, the, the reason why we go to war is if we're attacked. We shouldn't go to war if we, have, we need a resource. I mean, look at, you know, we're, we're not dependent on oil anymore. So that's not a reason we were, th we were there in the first place, which, you know, the um, an excuse was. So, but I just find that um, um, some of his comments about, about reason and uh, uh, useless uh, were kind of con makes my, my, um, uh, the hair on the back of my neck to stand up. So um, it's we, we have to understand that the Middle East has been uh, in war uh, in, for decades because of uh, crusades. And you also have to understand that um, after the Gulf War in Kuwait, we thought that after we won, that this would again end all wars. But no, uh, but, no re but the reason is because the um, Middle East they're, they are fighting tribes. They're not colonies like the United States is, like other countries are united. Um, the, the, they, um, they fight each other. Um, who They fight who they disagree about how extreme their region, uh, their religion needs to be or not to be. 
So we need, we do need to leave on a couple of reasons. The blood that's, that's uh, spilled, how much it costs, and the effect it has on our soldiers mentally and physically when they don't, when they come home with missing limbs. The, um, this is long, I know, but I just, a lot of thought has come to this. Um, mental and physical, of course. Uh, the point is, is that Trump, he doesn't, he doesn't get the Middle East as he thinks. Um, it's not, it's not like Germany, Russia, Japan during World War II, um, when that happened. Those were countries that were united with, you know, one agenda. Um, so, uh, who, and, and leaders who were dictators. Uh, today, the wars we fight in the Middle East, first, there are many dictators, not, not one. And two, here's the, the final thing, there are tribes. They're not, they're not colonies, they're tribes. You can't leave an, another tribe who we've been protecting from all this time and hope that there will be peace. No, it's like, look what happened when o, o, um, o, Obama withdrew and, and, and here came ISIS. That, you know, that's my point on, on uh, the withdrawal from Syria and Trump's decision. All right. Uh, well, let's get to one more story. Uh, so ABC coming under fire uh, for portraying a video uh, from uh, a Kentucky uh, shootout, uh, which they claimed was a, uh, a video that showed uh, an attack on the Kurds uh, from Syria. Uh, President Trump attacking uh, ABC uh, for that mistake on uh, Instagram, posting a video uh, with a stamp uh, 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 on top of the video that said fake news. Uh, what are your thoughts on the controversial uh, mistake made by ABC? Well, ABC is not the only one. And, and I think it, it really wasn't really a mistake. They wanted to show um, the... Uh, how bad um, the war really is, you know, the fighting was. But the truth was, it it wasn't like that. Most of the most of the um, our, uh, most of the fighting was during the daytime. So one clue was that was at night. Um, but and the other thing is is they're not the only ones who do this. There was just a while ago. There are some women who are crying and in Syria at a refugee camp um, saying that there's no water, there's no food, da-da-da-da-da. And they're holding this baby saying, this baby died. Well, it turns out the baby is breathing along. The, the, the kid was just resting, was just taking a nap. And it's, you could see the, the child's um, stomach, right, you know, Right, uh, rise and you know with every breath the, the child took, so it's um, it's not just ABC. All most of these um, media outlets are just trying to make uh, Trump and the United States look bad. That's really it. All it is. Uh, okay, and one more last story. I no, it's fine. Uh, the last story. 
the last story is about uh, Hunter Biden. <laughs> Hunter Biden, the son of uh, vice pre- former U.S. vice president and 2020 Democratic candidate for president, Joe Biden, um, has ap- has resigned from uh, his positions uh, from previous jo- jobs that he held over the Ukrainian scandal. He released a statement apologizing. Uh, for his actions, uh, Joe Biden uh, still insisting uh, that he did nothing wrong and that his son committed no crime. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I, I think that he didn't um, the both know that they did something wrong. And you know what? Now there's, there's a report that even Obama knew he was concerned about um Biden's um, actions of what he was doing. So I, on that point, that's sort of, um, now that's a criminal, that's a, a criminal act right there. And an impeachable offense for, the, for a, a vice president to be, I mean, that would have been something to see if the vice president was impeached. Um, and as far as Hunter Biden, I think people need to know that once, even if he's left the board, you know, of this company, he's still getting money. Because after after the time that um, all the paperwork is, is said and done, he won't, you know, that's when the money's cut off. He's still getting that money, technically. He's still getting that money. Um, and and for that, four hundred part of being on a board and getting money, you have to make an investment. It, with the four hundred thousand dollars he had, he had to invest that to show good faith or to show that he is a, a you know um, that he's wants to invest in other in other companies to spread that around. So, and technically, he's still on the board, even though he says he's left the, um, he's not on the board anymore. That takes, that takes a couple of years to get um, that paperwork done. Um, and, and then after that, he will, uh, he, he won't be worth much anyway. And you'll still, he'll have no credit. <laughs> Even, even his, you know, even though he tried to get credit with his dad. All right. Well, that's all the stories. Before you go, do you want to tell people where you can be found via social media and where they can find your podcast? Oh yeah, you could find me. Um, I'm on YouTube at Two Arm, not uh, Disarm. I have a new video out. I'm challenging. Deborah Messing and Eric McCormick to a watermelon eating contest next year at uh, Fox News um, on July the 4th. Uh, let's see what else. I've, I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook as Megan Jones. I'm on Instagram as Megan V. Jones. Um, I'll be joining. In, uh, I'm on Reddit. I'm on Parlor. Uh, I'll be joining another um, blog soon and that that's where you basically can find me and my podcast is called um, Charging Republican so 
um, and you might still say ranching Republican. If you look um, on the uh, some of the uh, podcast sites, if you punch in ranching Republican, still might you might find it under there too. So that's where I am. All right. Uh, well, thank you again for uh, joining us today, uh, Megan. Um, everybody listening, uh, make sure to give us five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sh- and make sure to stay after the episode uh, for a new Presidential Profiles 2020 um, and a, uh, a reaction uh, from, uh, uh, from the debate from the 2020 uh, presidential Democratic debate featuring 2018 Democratic candidate for governor, Jack Ferguson. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, no, no problem, Nolan. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yep, okay, welcome. Okay, guys, welcome to our reaction to the fourth uh, Democratic uh, presidential debate. I believe this is the fourth, correct? Yep, it is the fourth. Um, joining me today, uh, we have, uh, can- 2018 candidate, uh, for governor of Kansas, Jack Bergeson. Jack, thank it's you for joining me. It's great to be here. All right. So this, uh, debate round featured the, one of the, if not the largest, uh, um, uh, group of Democrats, or the largest group of candidates on one stage. There were a whopping 12 candidates. Um, these 12 candidates included former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, California Senator Kamala Harris, uh, businessman Andrew Yang, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, uh, former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro, uh, uh, businessman Tom Steyer, and Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, What were your your initial thoughts uh, on uh, this round of debates? I thought... You know, this was, I think, in some ways, one of the least memorable debates. Um, The others seemed to have a little bit more conflict in some ways. But it was still very interesting overall to watch. Um, And I think there's a lot that can be gained from it in terms of where the candidates stand and and, um, and whose candidacies are, are still relevant. Now, who do you think was the biggest winner uh, of the night? You know, this is, you know, I remember watching it and I was battling with this. I think there are three pretty clear winners. But again, I think this debate is so weird in the fact that you could ask someone else and they could give you legitimate reasons why they think this is completely wrong and why they have a completely different opinion. Um, But what I personally think is I think Yang... Warren and Sanders walked away with it, and it wasn't even close. Um, you know, Warren was attacked vociferously throughout the night. I mean, she was just lambasted. Um, but she responded well every time with good points, but succinct enough. 
Um, Sanders was very good. Was you know was seemed to do a little bit better than in previous debates, which, which he was good with. He was really good last um, d- during the most recent debate. Um, you know, people were you know talking about his health scare. He seemed to be doing very well for someone who just um, who just had a minor medical uh, emergency. Um, and so I was very impressed with his, you know, his speed and stuff. But also, he was very on his toes. He was very, he was very present and very had some had, had a few good one-liners too. Uh, I think he had some of the best zingers of the night. Um, Yang, I didn't agree with what I, you know, I tend to like him, but he gave some answers I didn't agree with. But I think as a performance, it was very strong. Um, and if you were a Yang supporter, I think that would have been a very good night for you. And I think for some voters, he he might have made a positive impression. Um, those are the only three candidates that I could imagine. That, you know, I'm trying to think of like if you're like a non-political voter and you're just watching this, you're you're, you're not as invested in politics. I think if you were just someone like that watching at home, those would have been the three candidates I was probably more likely to be impressed by. Any everyone else either did bad or was not noticeable. Um. Now, who do you believe uh, was the biggest loser or losers of the night? This isn't even close for me. This, I think, is more universal, and I think everyone but these candidates' ardent supporters will agree with me on this. It was Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar. They came across as manipulative, as annoying, um, as, you know, slimy politicians. Like, I could not imagine someone who didn't have much of a, you know, much of an opinion or know that much about politics watching them and go, oh, these people are great. You know, they, they came across as demeaning. As rude, and, and I just, I just was, I, you know, I, you know, Klobuchar has always come off that way a little bit, but Pete usually, especially in the first debate, came off really strong, um, and so I was not expecting that, and I was very annoyed with his performance, and, and as someone who I was supporting him very early on in the race, um, back when I, back when he seemed more progressive, um, I'm very, very ashamed looking at where he is now and pretty much, you know, pandering to the center right faction of the Democratic Party. Um, it's, it's a real shame because he had potential, but it, yeah. And even the Klobuchar has always been this way, and it was just and it was just amplified last night. You know what? The other loser was CNN, and I, you know this pisses me off. They gave some awful questions, um, very you know based, you know very, you know obviously very, you know centered around the right wing paradigm. You know none of the questions were were asked in a reasonable way. They were all very. You know, you know, these are the kind of questions I would expect from Fox News. Um, I was, I was very disappointed um, in seeing in, in in the in the questions asked. You know, two questions about Russia, two questions about impeachment. No, we didn't talk about issues. They did not bring up climate change once, and it was like the number one or number two issue that Democratic voters want uh, care about. And there was not one minute. I know Jay Inslee uh, tweeted that about even though he was he know he's already dropped out. I know he tweeted about that last night um, and made a very good point. I the, the CNN by far had CNN did worse than any of the candidates, um, and I, I think some of the candidates might have had a different night, might have done better if they if the questions had been better. I think it was very it, it was it was very bad. Um, but I think those are definitely the three losers. I think there were three winners, three losers, and everyone else was just. You know, Biden, I think, you know, definitely, I tend to not say he did great in previous debates. I think he did okay. He wasn't a standout star, but he did what he had to do and just stay neutral, not going to get a lot of conflict. You know, I didn't like he lied about Medicare for all. That was the only thing I was like a little annoyed at him, but nowhere near as mad as I was at Pete and uh, Amy. 
Um, I think, but overall, he just kind of laid low, and I, I think, I think was fine. You know, was fine. I mean, I don't, I don't think he gained any voters, but I don't think he lost any in that particular debate, um, unless they went for another candidate who impressed them, his voters more. Uh, but I don't think he did anything to harm himself that night. Um, and Gabbard, you know, she had a couple strong points on war, um, which is her strong suit. But I think other than that, she fell flat. She didn't do enough to distinguish herself. Um, and I think that was a, I mean, it was good that she made the point she did, but it, it was a shame she didn't have more time. Um, anyways, so the next, uh, like you mentioned before, um, every, uh, everyone was, uh, throwing everything at Elizabeth Warren tonight, or it seemed like that. There was a moment where Amy Klobuchar went after Warren. There was a moment where Pete Buttigieg went after Warren. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard went after Warren. A bunch of different candidates went after Elizabeth Warren uh, tonight. Um, the last couple debates, we saw everybody throw everything at Joe Biden uh, at a point when Joe Biden was considered the front runner. Uh, do you uh, think that this is a sign that Joe Biden has lost his front runner status to Elizabeth Warren, or do you not get that implication? I, you know, things are still early. I mean, vote. I mean, most average voters, especially outside of places like Iowa and New Hampshire, are still not tuned into this race outside of the absolute super, superficial part of it. Um, I think as we get closer to November and December and as Iowa and New Hampshire get closer, I think we're going to be able to see that. Um, I think, you know, Biden, I, I would be nervous if I was in the Biden campaign. He's not growing his lead. It's shrinking slowly. Biden and Bernie are we're, Warren and Bernie are creeping up on him. I would be very nervous if I was on that campaign. Um, he can definitely still win. And I, you know, as someone who supports Bernie, that's not my ideal goal, but, you know, I'm being honest. It is still possible, though I do think the ground games of Warren and Bernie, are, I think that's where it's going to come down to. I think the polls, one thing is polling is becoming less accurate. You know, younger voters are less likely to answer phone numbers from unrecognized numbers or have landlines, which is how a lot of polls are still done. A lot of polls are oversampling older voters, which are more likely to be Biden voters. Um, so I think we are going to have to, I think truly we're going to have to wait until election night in Iowa to see where this race is. I still have my prediction that Yang and Bernie are, over, are going to overperform massively. Um, that might be part of my own bias, but it's also because I think the ground game is going to change the turnout model completely. Um, so it's not just what I want to happen. It's true what I think is going to happen. But, you know, I'm human. I could be wrong. If if it's a more traditional turnout model, yes, Biden's still in a decent place and Warren is in a fantastic place. But I think the turnout model is going to favor Sanders um, when we get down to the early states. And I think that's really when the front runners are going to be established. But, yes, I think right now it's becoming more obvious that the race will end up being Warren versus Bernie. If the race continues on its current trajectory, it's going to be Bernie versus Warren by the end of the primary season. Um, possibly with Yang as, a, as, a, as kind of a strong accessory candidate trying to get delegates. He, I think he's going to fight at the convention. Um, may try to get VP. Um, I, I have, I, you know, I can't really put my finger on why I think that, but I definitely have this intuition that he's going to stay in the race, even after he's not viable. Um, but yes, I definitely think Biden is slowly losing it, you know, but slowly losing his front runner status. You know, it's not, you know, it's not a sudden drop. It's happening. It's happening steadily enough that I think we could be in January. 
he could be in mid-January, and all of a sudden he's in fifth place. I think that's 100% a possibility. Um, and, and I think we saw that some, you know, if you believe, if you do believe that the media is somewhat complicitly trying to stop Bernie Sanders, I think last night would have been an interesting sample, is they, they stopped really heavily defending Joe Biden, and they went more about propping up Warren, Klobuchar, and Pete, um, which are very decent options to those who want to stop Sanders. I mean, if you are on, if you are a stop Sanders, if you are a stop Sanders mentality, I, I do think those, especially Pete and Warren, are probably two of the best people to help with that. Even though Warren does believe some of the things Warren does, I think for some people, you know, they are willing to take. You know, it's like okay, we we can't get the full on centrist or right winger that we want. So, you know, we'll take someone who is less edgy. Um, so I definitely think that there is, I think Warren, I, th- I, do th- I don't know who's going to win, but I think I do believe it will come down to Warren versus Sanders in the end. Um, now, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, had a lot to prove tonight. Obviously, he recently had a health scare. Uh, and a lot of pundits were saying before this that he... His performance tonight would really have to prove that he was uh, uh, mentally and uh, health health wise uh, stable uh, to uh, take on the jobs of the presidency. Uh, do you th- how well do you think he did with that tonight? You know, as a supporter, I was impressed. Um, you know, he had always done okay in the past debates. I think he did better than usual. Um, he made good points. You know, I forgot to mention this earlier, but it really made me angry. Um, I remember he made a really good point, I believe, on the issue of health care. Um, and it was reported in multiple, multiple media outlets as being a quote attributed to Elizabeth Warren. Recently, I mean, one, one might have been a mistake. I, you know, it's hard to believe that, like, in five outlets, the same quote was attributed to Warren instead of Sanders. Uh, you know, I certain, you know, I was kind of suspicious about that and very angry because it was a very good point. And, you know, voters who don't do any research will think, oh, Warren said that she, she must be good or she must be good on this particular issue. And in fact, it was Sanders who said it. I think, I think, I do think that the, I, but I think he did good. He did what he had to do. Um, I think he made good points, even though he did not get a lot of speaking time. He was succinct. He was managed to get out his major points, you know, didn't attack a lot. I, I, as a supporter, I think that's his biggest downfall. It's he refused to go on the offense. You know, occasionally he, you know, he attacked uh, Biden. I think uh, after after Biden lied about Medicare for all, uh, but he, you know, he didn't go. I think you know, if I, you know, if I was on his campaign, I would tell him they need to start attacking Warren and making those distinctions because the distinctions. I mean, even as you know, as someone who likes Warren, I, you know, I've done some research and I'm shocked at how different they are. I always kind of thought, oh, they're more one and the same. And I was, for a little bit, considering supporting Warren. Um, but then I learned really how different they are and how much Bernie Sanders is much more of a social democrat. And Ber- and, and Warren is much more of a, much closer to being a standard democrat than Bernie. Um, even though she's much better than most democrats. I, I still don't think there's a question on that. And she's still very good on a- anti-corruption issues um, and stuff like that. I think she would actually be a great... Um, Secretary of Commerce or Secretary, you know, one of the secretaries of, of, of a department, definitely under Sanders' administration, if she doesn't want to stay in the Senate. Um, but definitely Sanders did what he had to do. He kept, the, he kept things on track, um, and I was pretty enthused 
you know, and he looked healthy. He looked healthier than he has in previous debates. I definitely think that I, I think he's truly doing very great. I think is in a position now to continue continue on to the White House. Um, now, um, this was also the first night that we saw uh, Tom Steyer participate in a Democratic debate. How do you think he did? Well, I'm going to start this off. I was at a Democratic, I was at a watch party organized by my local college Democrats club. Everyone there, regardless if they were supporting Amy Klobuchar, Andrew Yang, or Bernie Sanders, or Elizabeth Warren, they all had one thing to say. They fucking hated Tom Steyer. Um, they thought it was ridiculous that someone could just buy their buy their way on stage. That's what he did essentially, and you know, use some manipulative tactics and stuff like that. Um, you know, in terms of his actual performance, boilerplate, standard Democrat. Nothing I can really criticize of the fact that it's you know not radical in any way, really. Um, you know, it's just you know he's just another mouthpiece uh, for standard neoliberalism, which no one is in the mood for. Um, I truly think is yeah. I, I just no one I know was impressed by him being there or his performance. Same way I didn't think much of it either. He was the only candidate that I was like, why? I, every, every, you know, every other candidate, I think they have a point. Tom Steyer is doing it just so he can run for president. He has no other point, um, no ideology. It's just uh, he wants to uh, he wants to say he ran for president because he's rich. Um, how how do you think he did though, performance wise? As, you know, I said he did nothing I can criticize other than the fact that it was boilerplate, you know, neoliberal centrism. You know, nothing exciting. You know, he didn't say anything stupid, you know, outright stupid. You know, he wasn't attacking other candidates left and right. He just kind of was there. Um, he didn't, I don't think he, you know, if his campaign was trying to move the needle, they definitely didn't do anything dramatic and to try to do that. He's played it safe. I don't think it helped his campaign one way or the other. And I fully expect him to drop out either before or shortly after Iowa. Uh, I think his campaigns are going to be an abysmal failure, and I actually feel bad for him because his money could be spent doing other things than just wasting money on a presidential campaign. Um, now, um, at one point, uh, there was a bit of an argument uh, between uh, Tulsi Gabbard and a lot of the other Democrats uh, over the issue of Syria and Trump removing troops from northern Syria. Uh, how do you think that went over? This is hard because, you know, this is hard for me to analyze because I think a lot of the Democrats are taking the pro-war position simply because it's anti-Trump, and that really pisses me off. Um, and I appreciate Gabbard willing to make a different stance. Um, and it was, and it was really refreshing, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of complex things that go into this issue and, you know, I tend to think Tulsi won that exchange, but it's just that, that, that one was so definitely dependent on what you generally think of like, is war good or is war bad? You know, if you're an anti-war person like myself, you definitely like Tulsi more. I don't. Think she, you know, I think she did good, but I don't think it was enough to be like, oh, yeah, that's the right position for sure. Um, even though I think that point can be made, I wish these debates were like five or six people at a time so we could actually give people the amount, you know, a decent amount of time to explain their issues. Um, but I think, you know, just her being willing to say things that were not, are not orthodoxy, especially within this establishment Democrat circles. I mean, it was a, it was a 
it was really nice to see. Um, and I did not appreciate all the unwarranted attacks I've seen on her at the debate and since then. I have seen many. I've seen that the Hillary Clinton attack that I saw that I saw reported was just absolutely asinine. Um, that there is there is obviously a reason that the establishment Democrats are not happy with Gabbard. It's because she's anti-establishment, anti-war, and will not help those who have contributed to the party and to its major major players. Um, and you know, I think. I think that's why her and Bernie scare the establishment and why they try to shut them up. Um, now, some, uh, at one point, uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, got into a, uh, a fight with, uh, with Elizabeth Warren uh, over the Medicare for All proposal. How do you think that went over? I mean, Warren won that hands down. Um, it could be my, uh, here's the thing. That annoys me about Pete, and I'm going to get into this because it makes, because it, it proves why we shouldn't take him seriously anymore. When he, I believe, around the time he was announcing his exploratory committee, um, I remember, I, or shortly before then, he had been claimed he supported Medicare for all. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like that's what he said he supported multiple times on Twitter, and I think I think in some in some. Speeches. I could be wrong, but I know it was mentioned at least on Twitter that he did support Medicare for all and did not list any did not list any um, tweaks to that. Um, but I mean, you can see that many many uh, high level uh, high many many high level people in the healthcare industry have given to his campaign since then, and I think it's very obvious that campaign money has changed his opinion, and it's and it's just downright crazy because it's so obvious. Because it's not like it was even like four years ago. I mean, this was literally um, a few months ago, and and I think you know Warren has always you know she's never been, but you know at least she's been in the house, she's been in the Senate, and she has co-sponsored Bernie's bill. You know she is a little bit more waffly on it during this campaign season, but she you know she's by no you know she is definitely more you know she's definitely committed to a solution. Uh, she may not be a hundred percent sure what she'll pursue as president. But I think Warren's willingness to defend Medicare for all against such blatant attacks was great, even if she's not going to fight for this president. Um, she's willing to defend the idea. And I, and I think it was very clear that Warren was just doing her duty of defending an idea against blatant, baseless attacks from an empty suit. Um, now, another person who had a, uh, a lot to, uh, to prove was Kamala Harris. Uh, of course, when she got into the race, Kamala Harris was considered uh, one of the leading candidates for the presidency. At one point, she was in number three behind Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Uh, she has since seen her poll numbers drop drastically. Um, how do you think she did tonight? You know, I think she was one in the middle of the road. Um, you know, she didn't, you know, she was not being productive provocative um, like uh, Pete or Amy Klobuchar or even Gabbard to some extent though I think she was more rooted in principle when she attacked or you know when she criticized um, you know I think she just kind of was there you know made, you know sounded nice you know again I'm trying to analyze from the point of the average voter and I you know I don't think she you know to some I know some people but I know I talked to said they thought she did okay. 
Um, you know, no one, no one I talked to thinks thought she was a standout star. I think she just did what she had to do. Uh, you know, to keep her campaign campaign words at. You know, I would expect a bump for her. Um, you know, if I, if a bump's going to come for anybody, it's probably going to be for Warren. Um, I think she did well enough, and it looked really good for her that she might get a small bump in the polls, possibly Bernie slightly, but I think Warren is more likely to get an immediate bump from this from this debate. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't think Harris did bad or good. I think she was definitely in that middle of the road category. Um, now, many there's been a lot of controversy uh, over the last question that was asked. Of course, Anderson Cooper uh, referred to the. Uh, the controversy uh, surrounding Ellen DeGeneres uh, being in a, uh, a, a sitting next to former U.S. President George W. Bush, uh, and he asked to talk about, he asked the candidates to discuss an unusual friendship they had. Uh, many people uh, saying the question was irrelevant. Uh, Julian Castro later took to Twitter to... Uh, uh, say that he disagreed with that, and that they should have a- they should have asked a more important question on something like climate change or immigration. Uh, what uh, do you agree with that? A hundred percent. Here, I'll tell you what I would have done. You know, as someone who's participated in televised debates, if I had ever been asked a baseless question, you know what I would have done? I, you know, let's let's say they give you a minute to respond. I would have just gotten into a minute of talking about like one of the issues that had been discussed, like climate change. I would have just said, the question is irrelevant, and I'm going to give you my stance on climate change. And if they asked for clarification saying, what do you think about the issue? I would say, I'm not, I'm not giving an answer. Um, like that, that's how I would have handled that question. I would have completely just said, no, you're not getting away with not you know, talking about climate change. Um, yes, I 100% agree with Castro that that, que- that last question made no sense. You know, along with like asking more than you know, asking questions about Russia or impeachment. I'm like, no, we need to talk about policy issues um, to, so we can differentiate between the Democratic candidates. I, you know, I dealt with CNN's CNN's questions were shameful. Um, I was I was very 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 annoyed. Um, now, some people are saying that the candidates should have uh, subtly pivoted. Uh, do you agree with that? Yes, you know what I said. I don't think they should have subtly did it. I think they should have made a big show of it um, and saying, no, we are not going to waste time with this bullshit and we are going to we are going to talk about the important issues. Um, and I think had, let's say, hypothetically, Bernie Sanders been, been told to answer first and he had done that, then I think everyone else would have followed. Um, or maybe someone else would have made a show of him not answering the question, but I think that would have come off as really bad. Um, but that didn't happen, but I wish it would have. Um, you know, I was talking to someone I know um, who saw, who was watching the debate, and he goes to school in Oklahoma, and he was, he got very annoyed with Cory Booker when he mentioned that uh, he does Bible study with Jim Inhofe because Democrats in Oklahoma hate hate Jim Jim Inhofe because he's just he's kind of a whack job, <laughs> nice guy, but you know, um, he thought you know, come on, you didn't you know, he was like, come on, you didn't mention you know Jim Inhofe. Um, you know, I think it's kind of like, yeah, I get the point behind Corbuger did, but again, I think, you know, what is the stupid semantics? We need to talk about those issues in this country to face. You know, if the country was at peace and we weren't dealing with so many big issues, fine, that would have been an okay question. But no, I got really angry when I when I was like, really, 
just it, 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 I'm sorry, you really angered me. Um, not the question itself, but the fact that it was a was used instead of like any other question. <laughs> um. Now, um, uh, and, and for those listening who are unaware, J- uh, Jim Inhofe is the Republican senator from Oklahoma. Um, but anyways, uh, at one point, uh, the CNN moderators were trying to press Warren on a question about Medicare for All. Um, they were trying to say, uh, would taxes go up for middle class families? Uh, they asked her that question. They tried to press her on that. What were your thoughts? What did you make of that? Well, They've done this, I believe I've seen every debate, and I believe this has happened in every debate, and they've done it to Warren and Sanders. Every debate, usually no exception. Here's the thing. They are asking the question because they want a soundbite. They are not asking it because it's legit. I mean, here's the thing. Even conservative studies have shown that Medicare for All would save money. The current system is very expensive, um, and, people, and people don't realize that. But, of course, the question isn't. You know, of course, you know, they don't do the reverse of this, which is asking the, um, which is asking, you know, they don't go ask Amy Klobuchar, like, hey, Medicare for all would save $2 trillion, why don't you support it? No, they just ask, war- they try to smear Warren Sanders because most people don't know that it would save money, um, that are, because our current system is very inefficient. Um, the fact, you know, they try to just scare ignorant voters and it's a real shame. Um. There is one line that I wish Bernie or Warren would use because it would be very effective. Bernie and Warren could essentially could do this if they're asked this question in the next debate. If they're listening, feel free to take this. They should say, when this question is asked, because of what they will ask until the end of time, um, say yes, we are going we are going to eliminate the private taxes or your health insurance premium and replace them with public taxes and you'll be paying less in taxes. Um, yes, I mean, that's that's what insurance premium is. It's, it's a private tax um, because you, you pretty much have to have it or if you don't have health insurance, like I like I had, I had, had health insurance for a long time, you lived in fear. Um, you know, I'm going to go off a little tangent. You know, I was in a car accident earlier this year. I had no health insurance. I, I had to go to the hospital. I, you know, I didn't know if I had, you know, if I, if I had any major issues. I, felt, you know, at the high speed, I needed to, I needed to go. You know, they did very little to me. I get a bill in the, I get two bills in the in the mail, and about a month later, it's an ambulance bill for a thousand dollars, and it, it's an emergency room bill for fifteen hundred dollars, and I was in the emergency room for an hour and a half. I mean, I was beyond livid. Luckily, my car insurance paid it. I mean, otherwise, I would have been, I would have had, I mean probably would have had to do a GoFundMe to pay for, to pay for $2,100 like that on the spot. Um, you know, so that's why I'm very sensitive on this issue and get very annoyed. It, you know, the, the candidates smearing, but also the networks, um, the networks giving unfair questions. You know, if, if you know, if they, I wouldn't mind it if they gave an, a, a straight up honest answer, you know, saying just, you know, if they gave a question, that's just the, what is your healthcare plan and why? You know, if they just give that question to every candidate, I would have no problem. You know, no slant, no bias. That's what these debates should be. Times for candidates to explain um, their policy positions. But this, I mean, these are semantics for corporate media, and it's a real shame. And they use them to try to shape narrative, and that's what really pisses me off. Um, any final thoughts on the debates? <sighs> I, I just think that this one was 
you know, these are raging to watch, mostly because, you know, you have 12 people trying to get attention, you know, two or three hours, you know, no, you know, so it looks like a giant cat fight. Um, some, you know, what, some, you know, in some ways it's even, it's, it's even worse than the Republican debates four years ago. Um, I cannot wait until we're like past Iowa or New Hampshire when it's down to four or five people that would make me very happy. Um, but, you know, you know, is you know, and I think I This is off topic, but not really. You know, upcoming Canada is about to have their election on on Monday. Their campaign has been going on for about what seventy days. You know, that's the official like the campaign. Um, you know, the debates only happen until like right before the election, so you don't really have to pay attention until right before the election. Imagine if we had a system like that. You know, right now we're dealing. I mean, we are the first contest of this election is, okay, you know, okay, November, December. I mean, we're pretty much four months away from the first contest. Um, and then we're more than a year away from the general election and we're having the full-fledged campaign. Um, like, you know, I was going back even looking at stuff from a few years ago. You know, 1992, Bill Clinton did not announce his campaign until, like, October. Um, and he was still able to mount a, mint, um, a winning bid for the presidency. You could not do that. I mean, that would be political suicide. Um, to start that late, everyone else would already have a hard head start on you. Um, so I, I think we need to look at some serious ways of electoral reform that would get rid of starting the primary process, you know, this early. I, I think we need to move it up. Um, because I think, you know, people get, people get fatigued. I mean, think about it. We just had a midterm election, you know, a congressional and gubernatorial elections, um, less than a year ago. And now we're already in full fledged. I mean, the U.S. is perpetually in campaign season. I think it explains our very low voter turnout. I mean, we have some of them among the lowest in the world. Um, like I think like around half of the voting age population voted in the Clinton versus Trump contest, or might have been slightly under voting age population. I mean, oh, under fifty percent of voting age population. I mean, it's a real shame. Uh, and we need to look at ways to. And we need to start thinking about our way. So that we can still have party primaries, so the voters still get to pick the nominee, but also so we aren't in perpetual campaign mode, because I think that that would be one way to, I think, really help the voter turnout if there really were defined campaign seasons. All right, uh, Jack Bergeson, thank you for joining me. Before you go, do you want to tell people you can be found on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter on Instagram, just, 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 just put in my name in the search bar. You'll find me. Um, my bio should help, should help find me out if you're looking for it. I can't, you know, it, you know, my Twitter, my Instagram weren't that interesting. So, you know, but, but if you want to look at out, if you want to look at out, you can, and I'll usually follow you back. Um, most of the time. So. All right. Thank you again, sir, for joining me. No problem. And everyone, make sure to tune in again uh, in November when the next debate is held. Thanks. Well, I'll, I'll be here. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. We need to call it out. We need to attack it head on. And we need to make structural change in our government, in our economy, and in our country. She is one of the most popular and well-known sitting Democratic senators. Her polarizing views have bounced her up to the top of the 2020 Democratic field. This is Elizabeth Warren, and this is her story.
the candidates. Keep America great. Their story. Yeah, you're always, when you're young, you're always patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I have the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential Profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to specula speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Elizabeth Ann Herring was born on June 22, 1949 in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma to Pauline and Donald. Warren has described her family's situation as middle class. She and her family grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. For many years she claimed to be of Native American descent, a claim that landed her in hot water. Her family fell into debt after her father got a heart attack. Her mother found a job at a Sears shop. Herring herself intended on becoming a teacher, but dropped out of college to marry Jim Warren at age 19. She got a job at IBM, forcing her to move to Houston before moving to New Jersey for a job offer Jim received. They had two children together before divorcing. She eventually married law professor Bruce Mann just two years after divorcing Jim. Warren taught at a school for children with disabilities before pursuing a career as a lawyer. She became a professor at Rutgers University. She shortly taught at Harvard as well. In 2008, then-Senate Majority Leader and Nevada Senator Harry Reid appointed Warren to an oversight committee. President Barack Obama controversially appointed her too as the special advisor for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau before 2010. It now looks as though the President Obama, the administration, is poised to appoint Elizabeth Warren to head up the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Warren retired after less than a year to run for U.S. Senate in Massachusetts. In the Democratic primary, she faced state lawmaker Tom Conroy and Newton Mayor Seti Warren. Ultimately, Warren won the nomination and faced incumbent Republican Senator Scott Brown, who was seeking a full term in office. The race became the most nationally watched non-presidential race of the 2012 election season. In 2011, Warren gained traction for a viral video where she explains her economic plan. However, Warren's past Native American claims came to life. Brown ran a moderate campaign for re-election. Warren was a keynote speaker at the 2012 Democratic National Convention, advocating for the re-election of President Barack Obama. The race became close, but Warren opened up a lead in the final weeks of campaigning. I'm Elizabeth Warren. I'm running for the United States Senate, and before you hear a bunch of ridiculous attack ads, I want to tell you who I am. In November, Warren defeated Brown by a 54 to 46 percent margin. Warren began drafting legislation to add more Wall Street regulations. Many people have categorized her positions as left-wing populism. Many rumors began circulating that she'd run for president in 2016, but Warren declined. Many progressives hoped she'd endorse Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, as many compared her policies with his. However, she controversially endorsed former U.S. Secretary of State, former New York Senator and former U.S. First Lady Hillary Clinton. This was a decision that led to protests outside of Warren's Senate office. 
Many rumors stimulated that Clinton might choose Warren as her running mate, which would in turn lead to a two-woman ticket. However, Virginia's senator, former governor and former Richmond mayor Tim Kaine was chosen instead. You were asked why a career as a Wells Fargo insider like you, uh, why that made you the right person to fix the fundamental problems at the bank. And you said, quote, because I've been making change for 29 plus years at Wells Fargo. Clinton eventually lost to New York businessman Donald Trump. Warren became an instant critic of Trump. Trump attacked Warren for false claims of Native American heritage. Yes, we're here. Although we have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Poco. The conflict was settled when Warren released data showing she was only one in 1,024th Native American, sparking outrage from Native American tribes. Warren ran for re-election in 2018, facing Republican state lawmaker Jeff Deal by a landslide 60 to 36 percent margin. Warren announced in late 2018 that she'd be running for president. Some polls show her in the top three Democrats running in the 2020 election, with some even showing her in second behind former U.S. Vice President and former Delaware Senator Joe Biden. Now, she hopes to America's 46th president. This is the fight of our lives. For more Presidential Profiles 2020, keep it right here on Politics Weekly.